Isn't it a grand and glorious feeling indeed? Hallelujah is right. And He is He is my King. And there will be a day that the Bible declares because God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm glad that day is approaching. I thought as we were singing the song before that one, I appreciate the good song service and what I can feel in my heart um, about God wiping away all tears from our eyes. And and I heard a man talk about that one time and he said, I can't stand to see my wife cry. And he said, when he said, I imagine it'll be something like that, that God will just He doesn't reserve that for angels, but God Himself, it says, shall wipe away all tears. Imagine when He just takes a handkerchief or His thumb and just begins to wipe your tears away and never to be shed again. That's reason enough we ought to thank Him this morning. That's reason enough if you've been saved. You ought to thank Him. Anything on your heart? I do desire your prayers. I'll ask you to turn um, again to 2 Kings. I preached 2 Kings last Sunday. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to really preach more in chapter 7, but want to pick up the reading in chapter 6. Um, I, I know that last week we preached about Elisha. Um, Elisha is still on my heart. It's been there all week. And I preached a revival a few years ago at Mount Poland. They had day and night service. And the pastor preached every day while I was at work. And I preached every night. And I think I preached on Elisha seven nights in a row. Uh, and... In other words, I'm glad that the Word of God is always fresh and new. You can never know too much about it. Elisha is not mentioned very much in the Scripture. Just here a little bit, maybe in a verse in 1 Kings and then a few chapters in 2 Kings. But you can glean so much uh, from his life. And um, So again, we're going to be talking about Elisha. 2 Kings chapter number 6, starting with verse 24. And I do desire and covet your prayers. I'm thankful the progress we've made. I realize I've still got a ways to go, but thankful that uh, we're able to do this one more time. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadid, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. I want you to understand that's how bad the famine was. That an ass's head was sold for four score, that's 80, 80 pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. Think about that just for a moment. 
that we would eat my son today and eat your son tomorrow. I would say the condition in America today is about at that point. We've not suffered a famine like they did, but we are certainly, certainly um, putting our children on the path to destruction. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. And he passed by upon the wall and the people looked looked, and behold he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha the son of Shaphat shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer has sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Last week was about death in the pot. Uh, This week, I don't always do it, I usually leave it to Ricky, but this week I'll title this, You Shall See but not eat. And, uh, and I don't know if there could be a more um, pitiful thing that you'll ever experience than to be able to see something and not be able to enjoy it. Uh, but that's what happened here. In, in way of leading into this, and I know we've got a busy day and I'll not take much of your time, uh, but leading into this, Elisha had counseled the king of Israel different times. Uh, if you read the, the beginning of the sixth chapter, that, that they were in a place where they said the place that we're dwelling, the sons of the prophets, is too straight. And so they wanted to go and cut down some trees and build other places. And one lost his axe head. It fell in the river. And he said, Elisha, I borrowed that from a neighbor. And he said, now it's gone. And Elisha cast in a stick and caused the iron of the axe head to swim. And I read something the other day. And it talked about that was the means. Now today we wouldn't think much about it. We'd go buy another one and that'd be it. But then that was the means of the work that they had to do. And it seems in this day that, uh, that the church has sort of lost our axe head. And we need, to, uh, we, we need a fire in our bellies today that, uh, that comes from God above. And it seems like we've sort of lost the power that we have to work for God and and so that's what happened there. And Elisha caused the accent to float. And they picked it up and went down to cutting trees. And then it says that the king of Syria came and warred against the king of Israel. And, uh, and Elisha would tell the king of Israel uh, where to avoid so he wouldn't get caught up in an ambush. 
And the king of Syria thought within himself that he had a traitor. And they said, There's not a traitor, O king, but there is a man of God in Israel who telleth thee where, who telleth the king thereof what you speak in your bedchamber. So Elisha had knowledge that came down that only God could give. And, and uh, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people will perish. And, and I, I would say that we need that vision today. I have saw things you might say, Brother Benji, you're crazy, but, uh, but, but you can believe me that I've uh, had, a, I don't want to say a, uh, a vision in the sense of, uh, of what some of you may think, but I have had a vision or two about things that God aims to do in this place. And, and I'm glad of that, and I'll hold to that vision as long as it takes for that to come to pass. And, and I know we're living in a day where if we don't see immediate results, we, we get discouraged. And, and so that's, that's what began to happen. And, and the Bible says that one day they got up and the servant of Elisha looked out the window and he said he saw a band of Syrian soldiers all the way about him. And he woke up Elisha and he said, My master, what shall we do? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. And the Bible says when the man of God opened his eyes that there were horses and chariots of fire all about them. They were there all the time. I want you to understand today, it seems that the enemy has a stronghold upon us today. It seems that the enemy has a stronghold upon our children and upon our homes and in our schools and in our churches. Uh, but I want you to understand that there is a thing that, uh, that, that man cannot see into the spirit world uh, but the Bible declares that the angels of God are encamped about them that trust in Him. So while it may seem to you today the enemy is all around us and all about us, I want you to understand that there is a greater force than that of the enemy, and that is God Himself. And, and so the, the, they, they were there all along, but until their eyes were opened, they couldn't see. And until your eyes become open to the fact today that you are a lost sinner without God and without hope, you'll never see your need to ever be saved. But as I said before, I'll say now again, if you've heard the Gospel even one time, uh, Romans 1 and 20 says that uh, you're without excuse even because you can behold the, the creation of the world and all that God has done and you're without excuse. But we come here to the place where uh, where the king of Syria, Ben Hadid was his name, had came and besieged uh, Samaria. And he had, he had his army surrounded them and he was basically starving them out. They didn't have enough food uh, to last. And so the king of, of Syria had him exactly trapped and cornered. Uh, there was no way out of the gate, no way in the gate. Uh, once the food in the city uh, had wasted and gone, there was none to have or none to get. And it said that for 80, uh, 80 pieces of silver was a donkey's head sold. And then it talked about even the, the fourth of a calf of doves dung. Uh, that, that, that is a situation that, uh, that probably none of us have ever seen in our life. And, and the king was mad and he blamed as the world does today. He blamed the man of God. And the church today uh, takes a lot of criticism. And uh, if we would just let up on our strict policies regarding 
sodomy and whatnot. They, they'll blame everything that's evil on the house of God. But I'd say to you today, uh, you hold fast to what you believe. Uh, don't let anybody tell you what the ethics are of today. Uh, go to the Word of God and see for yourself. For that's His standard. But uh, but at any rate, they were in the city and, and, uh, and the king wanted to kill Elisha. And he sent a messenger down. And Elisha knew that. And he said, when the messenger of the king gets here... Hold him fast at the door. The king's coming right behind him. And so the Bible says as the king heard the news that people were boiling and eating their own children, he sent word to have Elisha killed. And the king eventually came to the door behind his messenger and Elisha said this, Tomorrow about this time uh, shall barley and fine flour be sold in the gate of the city of Samaria. Uh, now, that, now there was a man, the Bible said, on him who the king leaned on uh, that said if God should open up the windows in heaven, might this thing be. In other words, that he didn't believe. He was full of unbelief. Even though uh, Elisha had wrought miracles and, and had cured Naaman of his leprosy, even so, uh, Elisha had saved the king of Israel not once or twice, but many times. Even though Elisha had restored the Shunammite's dead son back to life. In other words, there was ample enough evidence that when Elisha had a message from God that God was going to deliver on that message. Uh, but listen to what Elisha said. He said unto that man that you're going to see it, but you're never going to eat of it. And I've thought about that all week. And I've thought about that in regards to uh, some of you that have been carried to this place all your life and you've no doubt seen God work among you as you've seen it but you are yet to taste of it and I would say to you today there's nothing like tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and that His mercy endures forever and this man he was so full of unbelief perhaps if Elisha had said in six months time things will get back to normal I said this last Sunday but I'll say it again today if God will that we could wake up tomorrow and the Delta variant COVID could be gone overnight. I mean a day, a lot can change in one day. And Elisha proved it. He said tomorrow uh, we're not even going to have to go out to Egypt and get it. He said but it's going to be brought right into our gate. I would say to you today, uh, God has brought salvation down to mankind uh, that we didn't have to climb a mountain to go up to Him uh, but He sent His darling down uh, to die in our place and He's brought salvation down to us. And growing up, I was able to see that. Uh, but I'm thankful there came a night I was able not only to see that, I was able to eat of that also. I thought about it in regards to joining the church. And it's been mentioned here throughout Revival that, uh, that, that, that I'm glad for the two that we've had joined. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's been said throughout Revival that uh, there was a feeling that somebody was... Uh, was sort of holding back and not doing the things. And whether that's joining this church or, or whatever it is that God has for you to do, I want you to understand you're, you're going to see the work, but you're not going to eat. You don't know what it's like and how good it is to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You don't know the joy uh, that will flood your soul. In other words, uh, God has a meal prepared for you today, uh, but you might see it uh, but if you're disobedient, you'll never eat. 
Now listen to me this morning. I want you to eat the good food. I want you to eat the portion that God's reserved for you. But Elisha said, because of your unbelief, uh, you're going to see it, but you're never going to eat of it. And the Bible says there was four lepers that sat in that city, and they sat outside the gate there. They weren't allowed inside the gate or inside the city uh, because they were lepers. God can bring a deliverance from the most amazing ways. These were lepers. What could they do? You might say, preacher, uh, what can I do? I'll say unto you today, God can use you from the least of you to the greatest of you. If you only present yourselves a willing vessel, that's all I am this morning, just a sinner saved by God's grace that He called to preach, standing outside a bug vessel store one day, and I'm a willing vessel, and that's all I'll ever be. And that's all these lepers were. They were just lepers. What could they do? So they begin to reason within themselves. If we go into the city, the starvation will kill us there. If we just sit here, we're going to die here. I would say today to you here that might be lost and undone without God. That's the choice that you've got to make. But you can rest assured if you just continue to sit here and do nothing, you will surely perish. There's no way around that. The lepers understood. If we just sit here, we're going to die. We're going to sit here until the point where starvation takes hold of us and we're going to slowly wither away. If we go into the city, then the death will get us there. Now they said, what then can we do? And they said, let us just go fall into the hands of the Syrians and maybe they'll have mercy on us. And if they don't have mercy on us, they're going to kill us. But if we do nothing, we're going to die at any rate. I would say to you today, there is mercy for you if you would fall upon the One who died on the cross. There is mercy to be found for you. But surely if you just sit here, you're not going to accomplish anything. And slowly and slowly, your soul begins to die away. And it becomes to get hardened as an animate stone. I would say to you the time. The Bible says, Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. In other words, before you grow hard and cold in this world, it has a way of hardening you as you get older. But if you sit here and do nothing, you're surely going to die. I would ask you, what have you got to lose? by coming and bowing like this one right here. There's no virtue in that seat. This is not a mercy seat like it was in the days of the Old Testament. Our mercy seat today is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the place that God and man meet together at the cross of Calvary. And my friend, there's mercy to be had for you. What have you got to lose? Just come and fall down before a holy God and begin to beg. I believe that's what they intended to do. Tomorrow, Elisha said that all this food's going to be brought into the gates. The lepers made a choice. What could they do? What else could they do? They went and they fell into the midst of the, of the, uh, of the armies of Syria. But the Bible said when they got there, there was no man. They found their tents. They found their encampments. It said they walked to the uttermost of the camp from one end to the other. And their horses and their donkeys were tied up. And there was gold and food in their tents. And those lepers began to eat until they were filled. And they took the raiment and the gold and they went and hid it. And they went into another tent and they did the same thing. Then they said, we're doing wickedly. 
because our brothers and our sisters in Samaria are starving tonight. And we're sitting here with all this abundance. Now what's that got to do with anything? I'll say to you today, I said it here in revival, some of you that say you're confused, that tells me that, that if you really are confused about whether you've been saved or not, there must be something that happens somewhere that causes that confusion. In other words, if there's a time and a place where you think you might have been saved, that's between you and God and I can't show you that. But I will say to you today, if you've been saved, if you say I'm confused, what about it's confusing? And I've been there and I've been through it. I know what I'm talking about. My friend today, if you say that, there has to be something that happened to you to make you think that I'm not trying to put a testimony in your mouth, but I will say this, if God has ever one time saved your soul, you'll never be saved again. You can't save that that's already been saved. And by sitting on that testimony and by not being baptized and not joining the church, you are indeed like those lepers. They begin to say, we've got good news. Let us go into the midst of Samaria. Let us tell the good news. Bless your heart. If God has saved your soul, you ought to run out in the midst of His people and be numbered among God's people and among God's children and join a church. Be baptized. I mean, either get all in. You might say, Preacher, what would my little testimony do? Those were just four little lepers. What could they do? But when they sent word into the city, the Syrians are fled and we've got enough food, we've got enough raiment for the whole city. The king didn't believe him. He sent out messengers. They came back and they said, it's even as it has been told. He said, the Syrians are fled. Well, what happened? The Bible says God caused the Syrians to hear a voice of the noise of chariots and horses and thought that Egypt had come up against them to kill them. In other words, the first time Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes might be opened, he allowed him to see what was already there, but he couldn't perceive it till his eyes were opened. Uh, this time, God in His in His magnificent wonder and in, and in His only way, He caused the Syrians to hear a noise of an army coming upon them. I don't know about you, but I'm glad today to serve a God that's able to drive the army away from me for a little while. You might say, Preacher, what do you mean? I mean, it seems that you're surrounded and there's no way out, but mercy can be had for you just like those lepers found it and they sent word back into the city about the good news. Now, if God has saved you, You've got good news to tell. Uh, you've got something, quite honestly, that this church could begin to feast on for a while yet to come. Uh, we could have, as Brother Jeff would say, one of them uh, tear down meetings and, and we could speak about it for years and years to come. I'm telling you, I've had a vision of what God aims to do if we'll just be obedient and hold on. Uh, but if there is good news, uh, you have an obligation and a duty uh, to go and Reported into all the land as Philip quotes all the time, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so there's good news. These lepers sent out the news and the king took man and he sent to those tents and they brought the food back to the gate at that time the next day. And the man whom sat in unbelief and Elisha said you'll be able to see it but never partake of it. Uh, the king set him in charge at the gate. 
And what happened, I guess, the people saw the food, they trod down the gate and trampled him to death. In other words, this man saw all the food. He had to be hungry. He had to have tightened up his belt a few a few places. He had to be he had to be mouth-watering eyes looking upon this great feast. They can surely soon enough my time will come. I'll say to you today, dear friend, if you abide in unbelief, you're going to be able to see the workings of the goodness of God, but you will never be able to taste it for yourself. And I can't think about in a sadder condition than that has to be. For those who die lost without God and to go to hell, the Bible teaches us plainly that the one in hell that it spoke about had lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. My friend, that tells me plainly that those who depart from this life without ever having been saved, without ever having repented unto belief, without ever having believed on the Lord and Savior at Jesus Christ to the saving of their souls, that when they get to that place of torment, the hell of hells will be, in my opinion, the fire is going to be bad like we've never seen or experienced, but to be able to see those whom you knew and loved over in, over in paradise, over in glory. And the rich man, the Bible says, send Lazarus that he may dip just the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. You see, the rich man, he, he saw Lazarus every day laid his gate full of sores. He saw the dogs licking his wounds. But Lazarus had something that he did not have. Even though he saw it, he never tasted it for himself. There are some of you in this house this morning, since I've been here, and I'm not trying to fuss, but I'm telling you I'm concerned for you, and I'm concerned about you. And there's not a day that goes by I don't lift up your name, several of you to God in prayer. And because I know that you've seen God work in this place. I know you've seen it with your eyes. But as far as any of us know, you've never tasted of it yourself. How sad is that? I mean, you know it to be true. You know it to be true. This man, he saw the food. He could probably smell it as he stood there at the gate. In front of all those people, he probably thought he was some great man going to divide out this hunger, uh, this food of these hungry people. Uh, but what happened, my friend? His uh, his pride got in his way, and his unbelief got in his way, and the people saw the food and they just trampled him underfoot, and he died, and he died hungry. My friend, if you die hungry and die lost, it'll be by your own hand, because God has made a way for you to be saved. And if you reject that way, there is no other way. You'll be like those lepers. If we sit here, we're just going to die. Now let me tell you something, even if you've been saved and you sat there and you've never told it, you know what happens? Uh, your, your, your influence upon others begins to flicker out. Uh, that's what happened to Lot. Uh, when the angels came and said, get out of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, God is going to destroy this place tonight. The Bible said that his sons-in-law uh, thought it was just an idle tale and they didn't make it out. God sent deliverance to Lot and his family. God has sent a way of deliverance to each and every sinner born into this world. And some will take hold of it and some will not. And those that take hold of it will be with Him in paradise. And those that do not, even though they've seen it, they've never tasted it. And my friend, into hell they'll go. 
What a sad thing that is. That God has prepared the way. But if you're like those lepers, and you say, we're just going to sit here, I can promise you this, you'll die. And you'll die in your sin. And you'll die lost without God. And for eternity, you'll be looking upon those in heaven. You'll see the marriage supper of the Lamb. You'll see the food there. You'll see the heavenly manna. You'll see the bread of life. You'll see the river and the water of life. You'll see the tree of life that bears fruit all manner of seasons for the healing of the nations. You'll see mom and dad and granny and grandpa. You'll see brothers and sisters there and you yourself thrust out because you just sat on your seat and never did anything about it. My friend, if you sit there, you shall surely die. What have you got to lose? Just by going and falling into the mercy of a holy God. And that's what those lepers did. What do we have to lose? We'll just go fall into the host of the series. Maybe they'll save us. Maybe they'll feed us. i got news for you, dear friends. Uh, the Bible is not a maybe kind of thing. If you come earnestly seeking, I promise you He will give you that that you've been searching for. God is not a man that He would pull that from you. God is not a man that He should lie to you. If He's ever told you that you've been saved and forgiven, rest assured on that promise today, you're still saved and you're still forgiven. He wouldn't give that to you just to take it away. What kind of God would that be? But you've seen it with your eyes. You've seen people baptize and join. You've seen the church rejoice. And you sat there. Maybe you've been saved. I don't know your heart. But I know one that can reveal the secrets of the heart. I know one that can help you along your way. I know one that you can fall into His mercy today and sleep tonight the best sleep you've had in years. If we just sat here, they said we're going to die. But because those four lepers, good for nothing, decided to go and fall into the mercy of God, they saved the entire city. I'm telling you today, if you die lost without God, it's your fault and nobody else's. But I would heed a warning to you, church, if you've been saved and God's got a work for you to do and you don't do it. In other words, how would you look at me if God gave me a message to preach and I said, God, I won't preach that message. I'll preach something else. Would you not think that I would be held accountable in the day of judgment that God was going to use that that He'd given me to preach to some lost sinner that they could be saved? I want to send out a warning to the church because quite honestly in today's time there's a lot of the church that's just sitting there like the lepers and little by little your confidence and your faith and your light and your rejoicing and your joy in the God of your salvation is diminishing and it's easy to do it this day and time to get worldly, but I'm telling you, if anybody's got good news today, it's the church of the living God. So why do we just sit here all the day? Let's fall into the host of, of God and see what He does. What have we got to lose? Just fall into His mercy and to His grace. This has been kind of scattered, I realize that, but I've thought about it all week, how sad it would be to see it with your eyes and never eat of it. You that are here, I've been here nearly three years. There's some of you I've never seen make a move. Maybe you're already saved. I don't know. But I've seen no concern on your face. And that may be, that may be due to you already been saved. But I would say to you today, if that's the case, then you ought to tell somebody the good news. 
You ought not keep that to yourself. That's doing foolishly and wickedly like those lepers were doing. But I would say to you, if you're lost and never got a time and a place, a moment where you know that you've been saved by grace and there's no concern on your face, I'm not afraid to tell you this today. I'm scared for your soul because you will surely die. It's going to get you. Whether it be as a young teenager or as a gray-headed old man or woman, the time and the breadth of your life will pass by. I'll be 44 if it's the Lord's will next month. I'm now working with people who I went to school with their mamas and daddies. It don't seem like that long ago we were walking the halls and at our lockers. But now they have children that are in the workforce themselves. I want you to understand if you do nothing, you say, preacher, what do I have to do to go to hell? The answer is nothing. That's what you got to do. Nothing. Just sit there. Just sit there and you'll see for yourself. But how sad it'll be that you've had every opportunity that some have never been taken to the house of God, never heard the sound of a good gospel message, and never heard a good gospel song probably, and never have been taken. What an advantage you have over them because you've been here and still you do nothing. I'm concerned for your soul today. I want you to understand that. That's not coming from a harsh place, but it's coming out of a place of love in my heart. I want to see you say, I want to see you rejoice. I want to see Carly and these others that have been seeking in revival. I want to see them come up off the altar or call me one day out of the blue and say, Brother Benji, I got saved. I'm telling you, that's the vision that I've got for this place. That God wants to work a work. But too many of us are like the man that the king leaned on. We don't understand. That man couldn't understand how is all of this food going to be brought to us that we can't go out. But we get in trouble when we try to figure out how God's going to do something instead of just taking Him at His Word that He will accomplish it by His ways that are far higher than ours. You may say, preacher, they've not moved. They're never going to move. They're never going to tell it. And my friend, get that thought out of your head. Uh, you're, you're going to be like that man. You're never going to taste of it when it happens. I'm telling you today, it's a serious thing to be able to see it all around you. Aren't you hungry today, lost friend? Uh, or, or if you've been saved, never told it, isn't there a yearning inside of you? Isn't there something just bawling inside of you? Isn't there a heaviness inside? It was mentioned a few weeks ago. Maybe the heaviness you feel isn't a heaviness for being lost. Maybe it's a heaviness that God saved you and you've never done anything with it. There can be different heavinesses put upon your heart, you know. And I don't know that's between you and the Lord. But I want you to eat of the portion that He's given you. He's brought it right to the gate. You didn't have to go out. He brought it right to me that night. I went, I went to the house of God. I didn't go to seek after Him. But He brought it to me. He brought salvation to me one night. Just as a little boy when I stood up and said, God, I really want to be saved. And just like that, I was saved. I'm telling you, I'd seen it. But it's altogether different when you taste it. How sad it is for people to be in hell right now who've seen God work, who know that God's real, but never tasted how sad it is for some of you that have seen and tasted salvation, but you can't enjoy that food 
because you've never told it uh, to see it, but never taste it, to never enjoy it. What a what what you're missing out on today, dear friend. I don't know what God got has in store today, but just follow the Lord. That's our message. That people are going to see, but never eat. How sad that is. Get you a song, brother, and we'll come ahead. If there's anybody that needs to come to the altar, it's always open. Be mindful of the one that's at the altar. God bless you. Is our prayer.